The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and this is a very exciting day. I just crossed 86,000 listeners um, as of today and uh, in more than 60 countries. So I just want to thank you all for not only listening, but sharing it with your friends and, and colleagues. Um, it seems to be definitely catching on, and I'm so glad and happy to know that people are interested in the things that I'm curious about. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. So today we're talking about human trafficking, the intersection with healthcare. There are things in the world so terrible that many, if not most of us, would rather believe do not exist. If we don't see it, hear about it, experience it in our own circle of family and friends, it is easy to slide it to a very far recess of our brain. If we do know it exists, we believe it does not happen to anyone we know, surely no one in our community. The reality is that human trafficking of men, women, and children does exist. It does exist in our community, very possibly to the people we think we know well. As nurses, we do not have the luxury of believing we will never deal with it. We have got to be aware enough to be that link with sanity when one of those individuals might have a moment of opportunity in the ER, the clinic, OB, med surge with one nurse who might recognize their trauma and need uh, and their need and the act are able to act to release them from the agony too terrible to imagine. My guest this week is Tammy Tony Butler, who has invested a significant part of her career and I would say probably life to research and advocate for those who most need our help. Let's learn from her today. Tammy, welcome to the show. Are you there, yeah, Tammy? Thanks for having me. Hi. <laughs> Great. Could you give us a brief overview of your career? What brought you to nursing? And then what, of all things, might have brought you to human trafficking research? Sure. Well, I am a uh, survivor now, but uh, I was a victim of uh, childhood trauma. And I think that I became a, a wounded healer in, in essence. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I have an ACE score of about an eight to a nine, and I think that I just threw myself into the service of others and hoped that somehow, someday, I'd find myself. And Mm -hmm. the emergency department setting for almost 30 years was an environment to where I thrived, and I I just loved it, and I always knew I wanted to be an emergency room nurse. And Mm -hmm. currently, I'm a sexual assault nurse examiner, and through my work and through my own uh, survivor you know, type story of trauma, then it has driven me into the anti-human trafficking realm. And Mm -hmm. I also started volunteering with an organization called Path to Freedom, and I'm Mm -hmm. their anti-human trafficking consultant now. And basically, we take care of adolescents who, or we'll be taking care of adolescents 
who have survived uh, human trafficking. So what I do is go around and advocate and educate for all those who do not have a, a voice. Could you talk just a little bit about what the ACE score is? <clears throat> I am familiar with yes. it, but I think there are a lot of people that probably would not know what that is. Yes, that's uh, adverse childhood experiences. And on our next show that you and I are going to do, we're going to kind of delve into that. But mm-hmm. that can, can be, uh, and I will share a little more of my story. I, I don't mind because I have, uh, you know, through my uh, faith, I have totally, completely been transformed back to an innocent child of God again, and I'm just so grateful. I I was about four or five when I was sexually assaulted for the first time, and then that uh, by more than one individual, mm-hmm. and they've found that childhood uh, trauma, any adversity under the age of 18, can influence behaviors and things as you go forward, mm-hmm. and that, uh, so a lot of that stuff uh, has driven me and and uh, now I'm healed from all that shame, guilt, fear, and regret, and mm-hmm. am just walking in purpose now. And my purpose Great. is human trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's so wonderful to take something that seems like poison and turn it into medicine. Um, that helps not only you, but so many other people. So thank you very much for the work you do. It has to be hard to listen to the stories again. Yes, yes, it is. And when we, when we look at human trafficking, we really have to look at the fact that these are, it's a sophisticated criminal enterprise mm-hmm. that's thought to exceed over $150 billion worldwide and profits thought to exceed those of Google, Nike, and Starbucks combined. Oh, my god! And again, gosh. this is a selling of, yes, this is a selling of vulnerable individuals for sex labor and their organs in some cases. And the average age for sex trafficking, depending on the source, is around 11 to 14. So these are our children that are being victimized. And these the traffickers, and I'll use the term predator or controller, Mm -hmm. they are preying off of the vulnerabilities of certain populations of individuals. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, are you thinking age? Are you thinking race or... Um, what are you thinking of certain individuals, certain population? Human traffickers, sorry, Leanne, human no, traffickers do not discriminate. They prey on anyone. All socioeconomic classes are at risk. And then mm. there are certain clientele that have a greater risk or a greater vulnerability. And there are certain root causes, I like to say, of, of human trafficking those with a history of child sexual abuse mm-hmm. or those adverse mm-hmm. childhood experiences, those with that intersect with the child welfare system, our homeless, mm-hmm. our, un, our unkids, our throwaways, our mm-hmm. indigenous populations, uh, our, our women, indigenous women are at a high risk of, of, of being victims of sexual exploitation. Also, our LGBTQ community that mm-hmm. are struggling with gender identity uh, mm-hmm. Issues, uh, those that are are a lot of our you know our runaways within forty eight hours of of running away from a, a horrific uh, environment at home, then they are onto you know forced onto the streets and 
they are resorting to survival sex in, in some ways, and they're, they're being picked up by a trafficker within, mm-hmm. like I say, within a couple of days. I recently heard of a young woman that said that she had left home at 13 because it was safer on the street than it was at home. And just yes, what you're saying is, just strikes me as seems impossible. That's a sad reality to a lot of, of, of children. And every year, about 300,000 are, are at risk of being uh, succumbing to uh, tra- a trafficker. And there's, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, 2018 data of the roughly 23,500 runaways reported in the U.S., one out of seven was likely a victim of child sex trafficking. Wow. And another staggering That's... statistic is 88% to 90% were in the care of or in the social uh, services system mm-hmm. uh, when they mm-hmm. were trafficked. So they're being trafficked out of the juvenile justice system. Yeah. Actually, that had happened to that particular individual, too, that she was abducted from a, supposedly a safe house and, um, you know, held for many, many months, escaped, and then somehow or another ended up back. So that just, I, I can only imagine what devastation that does to an individual uh, to be in that kind of a situation, have enough gumption to get away and then um, be pulled back into it. Talk about um, how many how many traffickers are there? You know, these numbers of people being trafficked is just mind-blowing. Is it a small group of people? Is this a large group of people? Well, it's actually... Uh, data that I have on that, uh, I'll start with the ILO. The ILO, the International Labor Organization 2017 data, says that 40.3 million people are victimized through modern-day slavery worldwide, and 29 million were women and girls, and almost 5 million were uh, victims of forced sexual exploitation. And when we talk about labor trafficking, 20.1 million people uh, are forced uh, into labor Mm -hmm. uh, trafficking Mm -hmm. uh, worldwide. And then when we look at data from Polaris, and Polaris is an excellent resource for data, they run the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline, and they're almost like, if you kind of think of poison control for poisons, uh, Polaris and the National Human Trafficking Hotline is where you go to get your information on human trafficking. And when mm-hmm. you look at the 2018 data or their data, the National Hotline has handled 51,919 cases since 2007. And wow. they uh, have, in 2018, they had uh, a 25% uh, jump in cases uh, from 2017, and 23, almost 23,000 uh, survivors were identified and almost 11,000 uh, human trafficking cases, and poten- potential traffickers was almost 6,000. And then, of course, with suspicious businesses, there was like uh, 1,900 thereabouts. Mm-hmm. So that's just some data there for you. Yeah. So uh, is there any data on how many people are discovered and then what is their, 
their uh, travel, their path from there? Are there people, well, like yourself, you've been very, very fortunate. Um, are there people that get the help they need and are able to rise out of this? Uh, or is it something that is just forever in your life and impacting you? Well, when we look at human trafficking, we have to look at some of the, the root causes, and, and let's back up a little bit and look at vulnerability. When we go to vulnerability, it, these individuals can are vulnerable due to, you know, a lack or a need, whether it's according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and those basic mm-hmm. survival needs of food and shelter, or whether mm-hmm. it's, it's love and, and, you know, like in, in my case, I also... I'm not a, I don't say I'm a victim of human trafficking, I say I'm a trauma survivor, but I, you know, I lost my father to suicide also at, at, at age 15, mm-hmm. and we buried him on Father's Day, so, and then due to my childhood trauma, because uh, my father also was a, a Vietnam vet, went away, mm-hmm. drafted, and came back, and then my mom and him were divorced, so I was always looking for a father figure and love that I was missing. And Mm -hmm. that can also predispose you to certain risk-taking behavior and leftover residue of trauma can. So these individuals, you know, can form trauma, you know, bonds with their trafficker. And and basically we say that they can get kind of immersed in the trafficking uh, lifestyle because there's, there's four stages, uh, you know, of trafficking in it that mm-hmm. exist, and that that fourth stage is immersion, and that's where they accept the the trafficking lifestyle as normal, and they may even commit crimes while under the control right. of a trafficker. And and I want to make it, you know, just make it clear. I, I didn't really go over the definition of of human trafficking, and mm-hmm. I, you know, there are no child prostitutes. Anyone under the age of 18 involved in a commercial sex act is a victim and falls under mandatory reporting guidelines. Mm-hmm. And when we look at human trafficking and the income off of a commercially sexually exploited child, basically, you know, a trafficker can make in some cases up to $400,000, you know, off of uh, a year off of the raping, you know, of these children because it's, it's child right. sexual assault because mm-hmm. they can't consent to be commercially exploited. So we kind of need to look at it into the terms of, of rapes. And, you know, so basically they can be sexually assaulted 200 times a week, 10, <sighs> up to 10,000 times a year in some cases. And these traffickers, mm-hmm. they want to break them down psychologically. You know, we, we mm-hmm. have sensationalized media out there. We ha- You know, as far as some images of to where they have a lot of handcuffs on their mm-hmm. their hands and their wrists. But what mm-hmm. we need to realize is the psychological chains that hold them right. them hostage or, or, or to where they stay into these situations to where they do not self-disclose as victims, they're very powerful because there was actually an instructional manual published uh, called The Pimp Game on how these traffickers think and how they get in and, and break down the individual, and and they want to to lower their self esteem so that they can easily exploit them. and And one of the quotes from this instruction manual 
was I am whatever they need me to be at that moment. A brother, a father, a protector, a child lover, a boyfriend, or a room to the renter. Her self-hate is the leash around her neck, and her insecurities are her handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they they play on these psychological or this low self-esteem, and they seek out these individuals, and and, and they're grooming them off of social media. And we we really need to talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, that piece of it as well and how technology is is playing a role in the, the you know recruitment of these individuals mm-hmm. and born uh, in in partnership uh, you know with uh, Dr. Boucher uh, published a study in 2018 that found that 55% of domestic minor sex trafficking survivors who enter the life in 2015 or later met their trafficker for the first time using a mobile app, website, or, or by an online text message. And wow. 63% of traffickers use online platforms to potentially mm-hmm. groom vulnerable victims. And when you take that a step further, Pew Research Center found that 95% of teens have access to a smartphone and 45% mm-hmm. are all online all the time. And the right. average age a child gets a cell phone is age 10. Oh, so wow. much like we educate on seatbelt safety, helmet safety, mm-hmm. and car seat safety, we have to educate on the risk that mm-hmm. social media and, and online right. uh, and games are posing to our, our, our youth. Sure. And, uh, you know, sextortion is, is another term the FBI uses uh, for coercing an unwilling partner into a sexual act. And Fortnite and Minecraft can be used to lure and groom minors, and according to the FBI. And the average age for that is 14, with victims wow. as young as age 8. And you certainly hear of a lot of kids that are on that. Um, we are coming up against a break, and I'd like to take that break here, and then maybe we can come back and talk about social media and the impacts of that. Um, I think that often parents don't want to believe that this can happen to their their child. Um, And so that denial uh, actually puts their child perhaps more at risk. So let's uh, come back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here today with Tammy Tony Butler, and we're talking about human trafficking, the intersection with healthcare. We'll be right back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. 
Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you can be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And I'm here today with Tammy Tony Butler. Uh, we're talking about human traffic, trafficking and especially the intersection with healthcare. Um, the conversation to this point has been amazing with the statistics, the number of people involved, the amount of money that is involved is just staggering. Um, so, Tammy, I'd like to come back. You were just talking about social media and how traffickers get a hold of these vulnerable people. Could you um, continue with that? Thank you, Leanne. Basically, they are looking for, a again, a vulnerability. So if we, if we look at Facebook and, and Instagram, and, and particularly Facebook, you know, they may post on there that uh, they had an argument with their parent or you know, that they are so lonely. You know, we, we put our whole lives on social media, and right. there are individuals that will friend you who can pose as children, and, and they're not. And maybe you chime in that, oh, I just had a, a fight with my mom, and someone chimes in, yes, I did too. And then they mm-hmm. start to build a relationship with you and, and build your trust, and, and we, you know, they you know, start to groom you over a, a, a period of, you know, it can, can be a, a few months even that it can go on, and then they will request, uh, you know, a meeting. And, and they can also entice children to send, uh, and adults as well, but children mm-hmm. to send images uh, of themselves and, you know, or videos or, or sexually explicit, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. elements and send it out there and then 
threaten them uh, into doing what they want. Oh, we sure. call coercion as well. Yeah. Uh, or they threaten to tell their parents or to put it out there for everybody at school to see. So mm-hmm. there, there's there's ways that they're doing that. And parents can be armed with the knowledge to educate their children and learn what apps are at risk and, and how to go through their phones and, you know, and talk to them and, and let mm-hmm. them know, you know, never check in, you know, where you're, you're going. Because if you check in, maybe you're going to an event, maybe you're going to the Starbucks right. and, and you're saying mm-hmm. that you're there and they already know what you look like because they mm-hmm. have an image, you know, they have your everything. We put all of our life on social media or Instagram and things. So, right. and as far as gaming, they are going into some of these games and they are, messaging and they're messaging even through Facebook Messenger and and, and they're building a dialogue with a a child or an adult who's vulnerable, who's wanting a relationship and who is is wanting that, you know, cute guy, that Romeo pimp that they don't know is a Romeo pimp to to Mm -hmm. come in and and, and speak to them. And, and, you know, they want to fill a gap or a void, you know, much like Mm -hmm. a a lot of us uh, did and do in our lives. And, and, and that's why we gravitate to social media because we want people to like on our posts. We want people to know what's going on inside of us and we don't feel so alone and disconnected and, and, Personally, I think that it can make you feel more disconnected, but uh, that's a, another show and another conversation. Right, right exactly. So, so now you kind of get sucked at, in and then realize it isn't, you have to keep upping the ante to get the same feeling of connectedness, and it really yes. doesn't give you that at all. And I'm sure that drugs must play a, a factor in this also. Oh, yes, absolutely. Substance uh, use disorders is is another uh, vulnerability factor. Traffickers are notorious for using uh, opioids and benzos and meth as methamphetamines as a means of mm-hmm. uh, coercion. Uh, you know, to get these individuals to submit to being sexually assaulted twenty, thirty times a day, uh-huh. uh, or they are preying on the vulnerability of an individual who is struggling with an addiction, and you know, they're even going into. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and other support groups and recruiting out of those environments. Wow. You know, they're actually going in and, and offering a place to sleep for someone or, mm-hmm. or you know, um, you know, getting checked in themselves as, a, you know, as if they're uh, having an, you know, an yeah. addiction problem and, and they're again forming a relationship and a bond or they're mm-hmm. offering I'll, you know, here, come, you know, let's go to this party, and and they're offering them drugs, and then they get them into a, a debt bondage situation. So, right. you know, there are people out there that feel that uh, human trafficking is, is fueling the opioid uh, crisis and uh, vice versa. Mm-hmm. And now when we, when we kind of segue in and look at, now we know it's happening, and what do we do? Before you go on, Tammy, I just want you to mention again, you mentioned Minecraft as one of the games. What are some of the other games that um, are used just for the benefit of parents and families? There is excellent information on uh, the website, even our website. We've, uh, or on our Facebook pages and things, we have shared the information. And I'll be happy to email anyone any of these flyers that we have that we hand out. And some of these that we have to look at are Keek, K-E-E-K, and I may not pronounce these right, Whisper, Snapchat, Tumblr, Yik Yak, WhatsApp, Poof, 
you know, Twitter, Tinder, Vine, Ask yeah. FM, and, and there's just many different ones. And there's, if you search the internet or if you go on uh, LinkedIn and look at our LinkedIn Facebook pages, or you, you'll be able to see mm-hmm. uh, that we've shared these documents. And again, I'll be happy to email those okay. out to uh, All anyone. Right. And then let's go on then with um, once we know this is out there and it is a major problem, then what? Well, I look at it like this, almost like we're at a war and, you know, a war on our children. And, you know, again, there's, there's trafficking for labor and, and there's trafficking for organs and, I'm, and, and boys are trafficked, girls are trafficked. I just want to focus right now when we were talking about sex trafficking and, you know, but much like in the 1980s when HIV and AIDS started to emerge and in the early 1990s when HIV and AIDS death soared, gaps in identification and prevention and treatment of patients were noted. People mm-hmm. were dying. And as a healthcare community, we knew we had to change the way we do business in order to service the specialized population of clients so that we could improve health outcomes. You know, great exactly. strides were made. Laws were passed like the Ryan White Care Act of 1990, and health outcomes improved so much that it went from being called a fatal condition to a chronic condition in 1998. Mm-hmm. Well, we're mm-hmm. there now with human trafficking. We must act. When, when you look at it from the terms of under federal law, anyone under the age of 18 is uh, considered a uh, victim of human trafficking if they're involved in a commercial sex act, and that can be where anything of value is exchanged, you know, drugs or, or money and, and, you know, a place to sleep, things like that. And imagine if we missed that many child and elder abuse cases because there was a, a, a according to Long and Dowdle, a 2017 study found that 87.8% of trafficking survivors came in contact with a healthcare provider during their victimization, during their trafficking situation, uh-huh. and were not identified or offered resources right. or referrals. 63% of those were in an emergency department setting. Mm-hmm. So we, we can't miss these, these cases. I mean, we, mm-hmm. they fall under mandatory reporting guidelines if it's a child under the age of 18, and we suspect mm-hmm. that they are involved in this. Now, when you talk about law, remember that tribal law, you know, military tribunals, and state laws can differ. So Mm -hmm. you want to know your state laws, and and we're trying to have legislation uniformly across the nation. Mm -hmm. So I I advocate for nurses to get involved because Mm -hmm. nurses and physicians and, you know, we're, we're very powerful. Any of us in the healthcare community, we have a powerful voice, and we need to advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Shared Hope Protected Innocence Challenge, as well as Trafficking Matters, they have excellent resources on how to get involved and, and talk about this from a legislative angle to where you can see state report cards, which state's doing what. And if there are states that the federal definition of human trafficking and the state definition doesn't marry. But federal right. law is clear. Anyone mm-hmm. under the age of 18, they fall under mandatory reporting guidelines. And uh-huh. so... What do we do as a, a, to arm ourselves with the knowledge uh, to combat this public health and humanitarian crisis from a healthcare perspective? Well, we need Good to. Good question. 
<laughs> well, well, let me tell you what we need to do. You know, we need to make sure that we have screening protocols and 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 uh, screening practices and policies and procedures in place. And I recently spoke at the American Nurses Association General Assembly in Washington D.C. on human trafficking, and they did adopt uh, my resolutions mm. for those uh, to look at that to where they want to to have policies and things in place to service mm-hmm. this clientele, much like we do domestic violence uh, mm-hmm. victims and, and survivors and, and what we do with child abuse and elder abuse cases. And so let's take that a step further. Well, the SOAR to Health and Wellness Act of 2017 was created and became public law, I think, in 2018, and it is a detailed, a wonderful training that I recommend anyone in healthcare goes through, you know, our public health professionals, our behavioral health professionals, our social workers, and it's called SOAR, S-O-A-R, and the Office on Trafficking in Persons has this, it's on their website, it's, it's free, they even will I was told, come and put this on your e-learning management systems in your organizations, and you do get continuing education credit for it. And it's the Stop, Observe, Ask, and Respond, the SOAR training. And that is kind of uh, what we recommend, that, that you do that training as well. And then the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, again, Polaris is, is uh in, in cooperation with uh, other entities there with the Department of uh, Health and Human Services are, are putting out information that is downloadable on their websites to where we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Even uh, the Blue Campaign has resources. Dignity Health has excellent uh, resources and a pair tool. And uh, the Heal Trafficking uh, with Dr. Hannah Stoklosa. A lot of these individuals have done amazing work, and you can search and you can find examples of human trafficking protocols, things to look for and to implement so that we can better service this population. Because you, you don't want to screen unless you have something in, in place to act because that can make nurses and physicians and folks feel powerless. And right. what we want to do is empower, empower our healthcare community, empower our, our victims. And victims is, victim is a legal term. We like to use the term survival, survivors mm-hmm. because they are surviving mm-hmm. while immersed in their trafficking situation and after because they're just heroic men and women who are, are just suffering horrendous acts and, and I just think are just fearfully and beautifully and wonderfully made and, and uh, that, that we really need to, to reach out and, and, and try to identify mm-hmm. them. And let's get into how we, how we kind of do that. Okay. So we, we do that, well, first of all, let, let's be clear, we need to think about safety. If, if you, you would never want to confront or, or, or speak to a person and, and about human trafficking, it, it, you know, and, 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 and kind of ascertain or ask questions and screen in front of a potential trafficker. So mm-hmm. unless you can get them alone and into a safe location you, you, and have a clear separation policy in place, you would not want to start with the, this line of questioning or screening questionings because anyone that comes with them, no matter what sex they are, no matter their age, could be a potential trafficker. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, women, quote, bottoms that we, we talk about, they, it, it, that's a term used, they can, you know, be part of this trafficking situation and they may bring them into the healthcare setting. And, right. you know, 
and why are they, you know, why are they coming into the, the healthcare setting? They're coming in for psychological complaints, substance uh, use disorders. They may have, uh, be on involuntary holds to where they have some type of suicidality. Mm-hmm. And there's other intersections that I'll, I'll talk about in a, a few minutes that mm-hmm. we can get in there uh, and, and explore with them as to how, and then going back to the safety angle, I, I kind of went off track there just a second. You, you want to also make sure that no one that comes with them is allowed to translate because uh-huh. you have to get them alone and have your own translator with them if, if they do mm-hmm. not, uh, if, 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 if they need that, if there's a language barrier. Sure, because you can say hospital policy or whatever else that yes. you need to yes. say. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you will be in your, your separation policies as to how to do that. You would always want to conduct your assessment in private, mm-hmm. and you would want to remember what I talked about, about these psychological chains, because a lot of these individuals are, are coming in with signs of complex uh, PTSD or complex trauma, toxic stress, and, and they're having somatic complaints, which is where there's no organic cause, but there's pain or fatigue mm-hmm. or abdomen pain or functional GI symptoms, we call them. And they also are coming in for panic attacks, hyperventilation syndromes, and, and you know, they may startle easy or, or jump or be jittery or hypervigilant. They can have, avoid eye contact and, and be tearful and be very afraid. Fear out of the context for the mm-hmm. injury, you know, mm-hmm. they... You know, and anyone with a delayed presentation of any type of injury, you need to uh, really screen for trafficking because, you know, traffickers don't want to seek out health care for these individuals, mm-hmm. but they're nothing right. more than a product to them to, to be bought and sold because this is a business. Right. Remember, this is a sophisticated uh, business model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you use a car to deliver pizzas and you need that car working to deliver that pizza to get your, your product out there and get your money back for that product, mm-hmm. they, this human being is a product. So they are going to have to eventually, if they're too sick, to uh, go out on the streets and work or or to work in these uh, as nannies and, and you know, in, in homes uh, and, or in these massage parlors where they're also being labor and or sex traffic, then they're going to get mm-hmm. that, that product service. So they're, that's going to drive them to seek out health care. You know, maybe it's a delayed presentation for uh, appendicitis that's ruptured or an mm-hmm. ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. some type of sure. or pelvic inflammatory disease. Any of these are, are intersect points to where they are coming in contact with a health care provider especially if you have a sexually transmitted infection in a minor mm-hmm. and if you are uh, doing an, uh, an exam, a vaginal exam on them for, for, say, a sexually transmitted infection and you are pulling out debris out of the vagina or maybe mm-hmm. a lost tampon because they mm-hmm. can often, uh, you know, uh, go through different uh, ways to... They will often pack their vaginas while menstruating so that they can continue to supply the sex to the buyer. Wow. So um, if there was bruising on the genitalia and some of those kinds of things would be um, something to watch for also? Well, let's be very careful careful where we go there because I'm also a sexual assault nurse examiner. And oftentimes you can be a victim of sexual assault and never have 
any type of bruising or anything more okay. often than we don't find trauma as opposed to finding trauma. So you may okay. not see any of that bruising, but what you can see and, and will see is, you know, maybe there is a controlling individual with them. They refused to leave them alone. They got up in your face in triage or, you know, they, they didn't want to let them go into the treatment room alone. They had all of their documents uh, in their possession, and, and mm-hmm. they actually filled out the registration paperwork. So now they're mm-hmm. in your exam room. You're trying to do a pelvic exam, and, and it's kind of a routine procedure, but they are, I say, 12-plus anxious on a scale of 0 to 10 of anxious. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so they're fearful, and, and they're afraid, and you're like, what is kind of going on? And, you know, we really need to become a society that instead of saying what is wrong with you, we look at what mm-hmm. happened to you and what is right. going on with you and kind of look through that trauma lens. So when we mm-hmm. do that and we take a step back, we have to look and see, well, she also has a tattoo on her thigh that's of a crown or a rose mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or a sexually explicit tattoo on the sacrum or the mons pubis that mm-hmm. it denotes... Um, or is sexually suggestive, and it kind of violates common sense as to why anybody would put that on their body. So right. it's, it's kind of like this. If you think of it, it, let's not make this hard. Okay, you have you think you have an appendicitis. You have right lower quadrant pain down there at McBurney, McMurney's Point, and you, you maybe walk with rebound, or you have a leukocytosis or, or a fever, or, you, you know, you, you come in and you have multiple kind of signs and symptoms to where you think, whoa, this is human, um, this is appendicitis. And, and it's not just, oh, they walk in with umbilical pain, as we know they do with an early appendicitis. If they just have umbilical pain, you may not know they have an appendicitis. But when you start adding in all these other signs and symptoms, then you are going down into an area to where you think, hmm, this might be an appendicitis. Same with trafficking. Oh, okay, so this individual had their passport or their identification they did all the talking for them. They refused to leave them alone and, you know, during the exam. And they have debris in their vagina. They have a sexually transmitted infection. And they're a minor. You know, all these things start to add up. And you, all these little alarm bells are, are starting to go off. And, you know, they're very fearful. So when you, when you see these things... Oh, and another thing is they can have multiple cell phones in their person, and I don't want to miss not saying that. So a sign of sex trafficking can can be that an individual has more than one cell phone, and Mm. we want to be very careful that no electronic devices go into the treatment facility when you're screening for trafficking because the trafficker can be listening in, and they can be on the other line or forcing them to video the entire uh, experience and, and play mm-hmm. that back when right. they get back home because they can come in une- unaccompanied but still be under the control of a minor, sure. I mean, of a trafficker, excuse me. Right. Right. Well, this is all um, very helpful, and, and I'm sure anybody, uh, what I often hear from nurses is um, when they're working in one particular area, they're saying, I'm an OB nurse, I don't do, do psychology, I'm in... Or I don't do psychology. Um, what do you say to nurses who are saying this isn't my job? Okay, well, this is what I have to say about that. I always have a lot to say, by the way, if anyone that knows me. <laughs> so, basically, let, let's let's take our OB nurses. Let's take labor and delivery and NICU per se. Mm-hmm. Every fifteen minutes, a baby is born 
suffering from opioid withdrawal, according to the mm-hmm. National Institute on Drug Abuse 2014-ish data. Wow. And so there's dramatic increases in maternal opioid use disorders and neonatal abstinence syndrome. Are we screening these individuals for human trafficking? Because mm-hmm. we know that survivors have reported being forced to have sex upwards of 20 times a day while being six, mm-hmm. seven, eight months pregnant. And opioids right. used as a means to cope with the physical or emotional pain or as a submissive tactic, a control tactic by the trafficker. So mm-hmm. are we diagnostically overshadowing to where we're kind of excusing this away as, oh, they're an addict or, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they're this or they're that. And we're not mm-hmm. looking closer and we're not right. looking through that trauma lens to find them. And they're, they're coming in for panic attacks or for when we talk about, let's talk about labor trafficking. When we talk about labor trafficking and we talk about the skin, are we screening our individuals that are coming in for delayed uh, wound uh, healing or are septicemias from a, a wound? Because there's uh, an article called Picked Apart, P-I-C-K-E-D, Apart, The Hidden Struggles of Migrant Women in Maryland. It's excellent. It's on should be on the Polaris website, National Human Trafficking website, I believe is where I found it. And it talks about Vibrio vulnificus. And that is a bacteria that can be contracted by an open wound that's exposed to seawater where no gloves are used, no protective equipment. Mm -hmm. And and these individuals are forced to work long hours in in labor and and, and I don't know about crabbing, so I'm going to say shuck a crab and that's probably not even right, but you know what I mean? They're they're getting these crabs prepared and they're getting cuts and they're, they're not getting them treated. They're maybe not getting them sutured and they should and they're being forced to work with these open wounds without gloves and they can have these systemic infections that they come in that can be 50% fatal. And, mm-hmm. and so we need to make sure that we're, you know, we're screening that and looking at, you know, their skin, you know, and, and also screening them looking for cigarette burns or mm-hmm. signs right. of torture or infected puncture sites from intravenous drug use and cellulitis. Mm-hmm. You know, are we just admitting them upstairs and, and giving them, you know, IV Vanco? Or are we actually mm-hmm. taking the time to look a little deeper and ask some of these screening questions? And, right. you know, and these screening questions can be done as you're building a rapport with them. It, this is not going to be a go in quick and then disclose. A lot right. of times these victims do not right. disclose. So yeah, it takes a while to a warm them up. With them. Tammy, we, we yeah. do have a caller calling in, and I would like to okay. bring him uh, on into the conversation. Understand his name is Blair uh, Corbett? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hi, how are you? Hi, Blair. So nice to uh, talk to you. Um, tell us about what you would like to share. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm very impressed, Tammy, with your breadth of knowledge on the subject. It's uh, phenomenal. I'm so excited that, Leanne, you have this on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have an organization called Arc of Hope for Children, and um, we have been just involved in uh, caring for people that have been through child abuse and, and uh, trafficking for years. And um, just as lay people who, who have a passion for this. And so um, I just really appreciate what you're doing and what you're talking about. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm glad that you and mentioned that. I appreciate that. you. Oh. I tell you. Huh. Do you want to say more, Tammy? Yes, yeah, thank well, you. Well, yeah, go ahead. 
Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I just want to say to you that what you're doing is amazing and, and, and helping to deal with that root cause of human trafficking, which is the mm. childhood trauma, the sexual trauma. A lot of the things that we don't want to talk about as a society, which is going to be on this part two of our show in a few weeks, and I just applaud you. I applaud everything that you're doing, and, and we need more safe houses, safe harbor homes that are dedicated to mm. doing what you, you're doing. And I'm asking all nurses... And, and all healthcare providers to get involved with organizations like yours and volunteer and help because we bring such mm. a holistic approach to healing to things and we can really help you guys. And I know how desperately you need help. And go ahead, tell more about your organization. <laughs> well, what we're doing, um, is it, go ahead, Leanne. No, I, I just wanted you to continue to say okay. what it is that yep. you do for them and how can they well, get a hold of you. Yeah, what we are doing is uh, since since my wife became disabled um, ten years ago. Now we we stopped the the our plan of trying to house children that had been through abuse, especially trafficked children, and uh, found children actually found us online because I'm very adept at the internet. <laughs> so we were okay. everywhere, including MySpace back in the day, and okay. <laughs> we had we had young people that were. Uh, I know you don't like to say victims, we'll say survivors of trafficking and horrific things that were safe now, but they didn't have anybody who really understood what they were going through. Um, it, it was as if people felt like they were safe physically, so that meant, must be they're okay now, and they were far from mm-hmm. okay. Right. So, and, so yeah. what we've done is we've built a site now where we can provide survivor support uh, just, just more like a mentoring site. We don't provide counseling or that, but, but coming arm in arm with them and then connecting them with resources locally where it's needed, where it's possible. And, uh, it's phenomenal what's been happening that way. Well, that is so huge that you're feeling, you know, filling that gap and that gap in service. And that is just huge. And, and I'll say, I tell you, I'll tell my, uh, a little bit more of my story. I, I was a, a, a victim of trauma and, and, and had all that shame, that fear, that guilt, that regret, mm. and carried that with me. I had insomnia. I had all mm-hmm. those things that go along with it. You know, that inner critic that would never stop. That sh- you know, mm-hmm. that just that profound shame, and yes. and I, you know, I couldn't sleep or anything. And it was only about a year now, a year and a half ago, I think, that I transitioned from innocent child of God to victim, torture, <laughs> abuse victim there, mm-hmm. lots of bad stuff happened, to back to innocent child of God again, and, and mm-hmm. being that innocent child that lays in the field and looks up at the stars and has hope, dream, and a purpose, mm-hmm. and I am completely mm-hmm. whole. And the reason that I did mm-hmm. that is because of Path to Freedom and Anna Stevenson and, and their vision of leaving banking and opening up a safe harbor home and, and a safe house to where it's a designated center for hope and healing. And literally, I was painting the outside of the house, and I, I started to heal. And I started to, to mm-hmm. be able to speak the unspeakable language of trauma. So there's so much truth in what you're saying and having that safe mentoring. And, and Dr. Vincent Valetti of the original Kaiser uh, study talked about in his, he just put out a, another article in 2019 and talked about if we just listen by implicitly listening and, and, and create an environment where people can speak these dark, deep secrets, there's so much healing and power in that. And I just applaud your efforts and we need more of you. 
Thank you you. so much. We have just a couple of minutes left. Um, uh, Blair, is there anything you would like to say in in a minute that you want people to know? Hmm. Well, I'd just like to say our... uh, we're Arc of Hope for Children. We're our support site, the removingchains.org is where our support site is. And uh, we could really use support. Um, we, we, we have been trying to provide a better chat experiences for people who, who are uh, coming internationally. We, we have helped people all, as far as way as South America, Australia, uh, you name it. And um, we really need to be able to beef things up so that we can help people in their languages and that. Absolutely. So, um, please, you can go to please contribute. Anybody or, who has heart for this, please contribute. Yeah. Definitely is needed. Yeah, that, they need um, Tammy, um, in just a minute, is there anything you would like to say as a last thing? What do you especially want nurses or healthcare people to know? You know, I just want uh, them to know that I consider this a call to action. Because mm-hmm. after today, you can no longer say that you do not know this is a problem and that this is a crime against our children. Right. And, right. and we must act. And as healthcare providers, we may only be able to plant the seed, especially in adults, that's what happening to them is a crime and not their fault, and offer just a glimmer of hope that resources are available if they choose to accept them or to mandatory report uh, you know, if it's a minor, and, and just to empower them. Our job is not to rescue them and, and pull mm-hmm. them out of something. Our job is to identify mm-hmm. and, and report if we are supposed to and if it falls under mandatory reporting guidelines. And and that's what I just want to empower individuals with in, in any society that allows its children to be victimized is at its lowest ebb. And the and most important thing is we, we have to not judge them and we have to listen to them. And those seem to be the two things that people have so much difficulty really doing. We really have, we're down to a minute. I'm going to have to say um, thank you to both of you. Um, I do want to say that uh, we will be having Tammy uh, Tony, Tony Butler back again on November 18th. So please mark your calendar and return with us at that point. And I also wanted to just put in uh, a message that um, I am launching a new website, uh, which is called oncenurse.com, funny thing, and um, it will be out tomorrow. Along with it will be uh, a newsletter. I'm going to be starting a blog, and there'll be a number of other things. We're also looking for people who would like to contribute also or sponsor or know people who would like to sponsor this particular show to keep it going. So um, this is just so important. This kind of topic is just so absolutely important um, to everybody, but especially to healthcare um, uh, facilitators and, and nurses and everybody who is involved with helping other people to be healthy uh, along with themselves. So all I can say is um, this has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I've been talking with Tammy, Tony Butler, and Blair Corbett, and I thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.